back, everybody. College Gridiron coming at you with another new episode. Jimmy Sullivan, Ryan Gregware with you today. Happy you could be along with us on a big day for college football. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon, November 25th. And that is significant because last night, Tuesday night, we got the first college football playoff selection committee rankings of the 2020 season a bunch of notables to get into ryan we will start with the top four alabama no surprise is at one notre dame no surprise is at two the intrigue begins at three clemson over ohio state for the number three spot the buckeyes come in at four after their win over indiana which we will get into later but, Ryan, interesting first rankings from the CFP. And despite Clemson's loss to Notre Dame a couple of weeks back, they decided to put them over the best team in the Big Ten in Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, before we even get into that, I just want to say how awesome it was to just watch the show and just see all these numbers getting thrown in my oh, absolutely. These records, the countdown, the rankings, everything, especially when, you know, the season was in doubt. It's just, Jimmy, like, it feels so awesome to see all this. It felt normal, right? Yeah. A little, a little bit. Not quite, but sort of. And, yeah, so – and then that was the thing at the top, right, that we should talk about. You know, Clemson, they're 7-1, and one, and they were – that one loss to, was to Notre Dame. It was number two. It was in overtime. And it was without Trevor Lawrence. And something that I was wondering was, was this more – was this putting them ahead more of the acknowledgement of Trevor Lawrence wasn't there? You know, they're on their second-string quarterback. Or is it kind of the respect of something we've talked about, the imbalance of schedules? You know, we know that the ACC started a month before. They had those four extra games in there. So, you know, they have eight games. They have double the games of Ohio State. And was that the committee telling us, you know, they have more body of work, they have, beat, they have three more wins? Or is that more because of Trevor Lawrence? It was probably a combination of both, I'd say. But, you know, I don't have too much of an issue with it. I think the committee overall got it right with these four teams. And I'm sure in the coming weeks with the championship games coming up in the conferences, we're going to have mixing and matching. You know, Clemson and Notre Dame are on pace to play again if everything turns out. Ohio State will have a test maybe against Northwestern. But as of right now, um, the 3-4, you know, it could be debated. Ohio State, though, they're not – the eye test isn't there from last year. You know, they lose their secondary in uh, Akuda and Arnett. You know, Chase Young, obviously. Dobbins are running back, but they're still a great team. 4-0 is early in the season. I'm sure if they keep winning games, they'll be just fine. Yeah, and it's really interesting to debate because I think you and I can both agree that the best four teams are in the top four. You can talk about the order, but it's very clear who the four best teams are. And then there's a bit of a drop from four to five. But you look at it this year, it's so fascinating. And I don't know where you've on this spectrum people were arguing for a six or an 18 playoff at least just for this year because of the schedules you know the big tens out here playing seven maybe eight games and there are other conferences like the sec who are playing basically a full schedule and we've saw that imbalance right uh, clemson is at seven and one ohio state's at four and up and the last time we saw ohio state last week they looked vulnerable let's be real about that and I love Ohio State, but, like, at some point it's like, okay, you know, you look at that and you're like, they can be beaten. And, look, they don't have another test on their regular season schedule, if we're being totally honest. They've got Illinois, Michigan State, Michigan. Those should all be wins, quite frankly. Yep. But 
you know, you look at Ohio State and, and how they played against Indiana, and you're like, okay, and maybe we were underrating Indiana. That could be part of it. But at the same time, you know, you do have to dock them a little bit for that. But I do think it's also interesting as we head in here, and you were talking about Clemson. They are at three. Notre Dame is at two. I think it's reasonable to think Clemson's going to win out with the schedule they have remaining. Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, their two remaining games. Where things get interesting is with Notre Dame. They've got three games left, North Carolina on Friday, Syracuse, Wake Forest, and then the ACC title game. They could play Clemson again. And if Clemson wins that game, and I think they'd be favored with Trevor Lawrence, and they beat Notre Dame, then you have an interesting conversation. Does one loss Notre Dame get in over some of these other teams? And Ryan, I think that's a fascinating issue that could come to pass. Does Notre Dame get that respect and still get into the playoff? It's a really interesting debate, Jimmy. And, you know, while Notre Dame is at two now, their spot is not locked up 100%. This game Friday, as you're talking about, they played number 19 UNC. So this is no small task. They need to beat this UNC team. They cannot afford to lose one of these games before the ACC championship, which, you know, we're assuming they'll make it. These games are all very winnable. And if they get there, as you said, they're not going to be favored versus Clemson. Are they going to be able to upset them twice in the same season? I don't know. That's going to be tough. And, and then it gets, comes down to the committee. If the committee sees that win versus Clemson ahead of time and values it enough to push them in, they'd probably be at four without the conference championship win. But, yeah, Notre Dame, while they're at two right now, they're sitting pretty. They've looked good. Their spot is not locked up 100%. They need to keep the pedal to the metal and keep winning games. Yeah, so that's their task for the rest of the season. Fascinating to see what will happen if they go in at one loss, and that one loss is against Clemson, a team that they already beat. So let's branch out from the top four now. Let's look around at some of the other notables. You've got Cincinnati at seven, Georgia at nine for some reason, (laughs) BYU at 14, and let's start with BYU here. Because this is a team that's currently ranked eighth in the AP poll. And we thought going into last night that they would have at least a puncher's chance of being in the playoff, given where they would be ranked in the CFP. To see them at 14, Ryan, I was very jarred by that, quite frankly. They've played an aggressive schedule, as aggressive as they can, really, being an independent in 2020. And yet, here they are just not being rewarded really at all. And I was surprised and honestly, Ryan, a little disappointed to see that. I mean, I think it's safe to say this was the shock of the night, right? I mean, as you said, BYU could not have done more. You know, they even scheduled, they had six power five teams on their schedule. So they got screwed over with the COVID rescheduling and all that. And as an independent in this year, especially, it's nearly impossible to do anything, but they're nine and oh, and they've won by 32 points a game in those nine games. So they're winning convincingly. And, you know, I didn't even think it was a question being in the top 10. You know, you talked about a puncher's chance in the top four. I thought top six was realistic. But all the way at 14, you know, that, that's a committee showing us something. They do not buy the schedule they played. Um, their best win, you could say, was against Boise State. But they were on their third-string quarterback. So, you know, it sucks for them because they're doing everything they can. Their coach ended up appearing on the, uh, the college football show on ESPN. 
And he had a very good mindset. He said, we just have to win the games on our schedule. I'm really proud of how the guys have played. And he noted December 5th, December 19th, those are two open games. They are looking to play anyone they can, as they should, because they're a great team. And right now the committee is not respecting what they have done. Really incredible that on the one hand, you can have the conversation about playing games in 10 years. And meanwhile, open dates in three weeks now might get filled. Really incredible. But BYU, I remember that they had had, I don't want to say an agreement, but pretty public and aggressive conversations with the University of Washington to play a game. That didn't work out. And Kalani Sitake, as you were referencing, Ryan, was on the show last night, and he said, well, we want to play them. But it's nothing from our end that prevented that. Now, blame whoever you want. The fact of the matter is BYU is going to need that game. And they have an open date with Cincinnati, who we'll get into later, on December 5th, I believe it is. They're going to need that game. Like, they, they need to play these teams. And granted, you can only play yeah, the teams on your schedule. I get that. But in a year like this where obviously they're going to need at least one more big win to have any shot at this, they're going to need to schedule these teams. And, Ryan, I'm so fascinated to see what they would be able to do in a game like that against a Washington, against a Cincinnati that may at least decide who winds up getting the group of five bid into the New Year's six, if not maybe even a playoff spot, depending on how things shake out. But I'd be so fascinated to see what BYU can do in that. And we just have not seen that because, as you said, they had Power 5 team after Power 5 team on their schedule. And one after the other, those games kept getting postponed, especially earlier in the season. So there's nothing BYU can do about that. But I think they will need to do, no matter whose fault it's been to this point, they need to do everything they can to get Washington and Cincinnati on the phone and make sure they can get those games played out. Because I think that's going to go a long way in deciding how far this season can go for them. Yeah, and it should be noted that on December 5th, Cincinnati also has an open date with um, their game against Temple getting canceled this week and it won't be played. They do have some COVID issues, though, that might not let them play that game. But if they, have, if they pass all the health things, if they pass all the protocols, BYU has got to get on the phone. It would help Cincinnati too, right? Cincinnati should want to play another ranked team because they'll need a push. It should help. It should benefit both programs. Get on the phone, get something figured out. December 19th as well, BYU, figure out a game, get to 11 and 0, do what you can. You got to get to the New Year's six at least, right? You got to get one of these prestigious bowl games because, you know, Zach Wilson, obviously you can't waste the season from him. You've had just a tremendous season. You deserve to be rewarded. And they got to do whatever they can to play these games. It's simple as that. Because as of right now, the committee does not respect what they have done. Yeah, and you're talking about BYU. It's nothing against them. But they're probably a one-hit wonder in terms of being this good. Yes. Zach Wilson's going to the NFL draft next year. He's going to be possibly a first-round pick. These types of teams and seasons at a smaller school level just don't come around. And you need to maximize that opportunity i will say this though it's interesting to look at the cfp i remember sitting here three years ago and saying they're getting it right with ucf in terms of leaving them lower but the cfp has consistently underrated these smaller school teams they actually really didn't with cincinnati and we'll get into cincinnati in a bit 
but they are with BYU. And Ryan, I'm curious what you think about this, because the way I look at it is that, you know, there's a hierarchy in college football. Everybody knows that power five teams are going to get the benefit of the doubt. That makes sense. But I feel like the CFP has even widened this gap, if you will, where the Power Five teams rule the roost, and there aren't a lot of paths forward for a BYU, for a Cincinnati to be able to break through and have a real shot at the college football playoff because we haven't seen any non-Power Five teams have a shot at the college football playoff since it came into effect in 2014. And what you're talking about now is you were talking about this earlier, the number one reason people are saying, let's expand these playoffs, not for this year, you know, specifically this year, obviously with COVID and cancellations, but going forward is because it gives these non-Power 5 teams an actual shot. You know, if UCF wasn't going to get in a few years ago, who is? Is it Cincinnati this year? I don't know. But if you, if you expand the date, it'll help all these other programs, these mid-majors who are not in these, not in the SEC, not in the Big Ten, you know. And, yeah, the, the CFB has shown a bias. I don't know if it's a bias, but has shown favoritism versus the bigger programs, despite some programs coming out of nowhere and winning every game on their schedule. And so, you know, it, it's a tough reality with this four. You know, I'm glad it got expanded from two. You know, four is a step in the right direction. There still is a reason to keep it here. You know, if, if you think that these are the four best teams we have in right now, which I say it's safe to say, why expand? You know, why give teams that don't deserve it a chance to dethrone them? But, you know, that is the number one argument to expand the date. Let's get these other teams in. They had great seasons. Let's give them a shot. And people wanted it expanded this year with COVID, as you said, didn't happen. I think it will eventually happen in the future. Yeah, it's okay. When people wise up to the fact that more teams means more money. more money. I will say this. If there's any year to get a group of five team into the four-team playoff, it's this year. And if there's any team to make that happen right now, I think you have to look at the Cincinnati Bearcats. They were ranked number seven last night. They are undefeated, 8-0. They, as you said, Ryan, were supposed to play Temple this weekend. Temple is 1-6. That game got canceled because of a uh, COVID outbreak on Temple, and Cincinnati now is dealing with their own issues as well. Cincinnati finds itself behind Texas A&M, Florida, and the top four. Ryan, as you look ahead at this, does Cincinnati have a realistic path to break through and be the first non-Power 5 team to make the playoffs since the beginning of its existence? Yes, and let me break this down for you. There's a few things that need to happen. Step one, win your games. Don't look ahead. Don't score bird watch. Lock in. Win the games you play. You're going to play Tulsa in a few weeks. They're ranked 25th, so that's no easy task. And you're probably going to play them again in the AAC championship game. So step one is win your games, get to 10-0. Maybe you can schedule a game in if the COVID situation evens up. That's 10-0. That's with the conference. While it's not one of the big conferences, that's an AAC conference win. Step two, you need Notre Dame to beat Clemson again. If they beat them again, you now have a two-loss Clemson team that did not win the ACC. You know, there is still a slight chance that Kidney would favor them over Cincinnati, but there's nothing else Cincinnati could do. You could make a very strong argument that a conference champion that went undefeated deserves to get in over a two-loss team. Notre Dame, obviously, you know, Notre Dame can end up – it might benefit um, 
Cincinnati even more to have Notre Dame lose to UNC or something. So that second loss really hurts Clemson. But they're absolutely going to need Notre Dame to beat Clemson or, you know, both will have one loss. Clemson will get in, obviously. And Notre Dame, I think, would be favored over Cincinnati. The other thing you need to happen is Alabama to beat Florida in the SEC championship game. If that happens, Florida will be a two-loss, at least, non-conference champion. That would move Cincinnati above them, you'd have to think, similar to Clemson. If all those happen, you also need Northwestern to cool off a little bit because Northwestern controls their own destiny more than even Cincinnati. If they win all three of those games, they have a date with Ohio State, and that would decide who wins the Big Ten, and that would basically be in a playing game for the playoff. So if, if they cool off a little bit, I mean, if they just lose to Ohio State, you know, they don't win their conference, they get shellackled by Ohio State, you know, what people have been saying about that will be true. They don't have to worry about that. So if those things happen, if everything lines into place, Cincinnati, Cincinnati has a path that isn't the most unrealistic scenario. I know you need a few things to happen, but if you win your games, you get just a little bit of help, Jimmy. It's nothing crazy. It's not here all over the place. It's not insane underdogs winning. It's good teams winning. It's you winning your games. If all this happens, Cincinnati will make history and be the first team to make the playoff, not as a Power 5 winner. Let me also add another piece to this that I think could help in a way that I don't want it sure. to, but it could. So if you've been following the Big Ten and you've seen the news over the last couple of days, uh, Wisconsin had its game postponed against Minnesota this weekend. You'll see where I'm going in a minute. So Wisconsin lost last weekend to Northwestern. Wisconsin is probably out of the college playoff discussion. I, I don't think they were really in it to begin with. They, with the cancellation against Minnesota, are going to need to get very creative to get to six games. Now, why is six games important? Six games is important because if you get six games, you can play in the Big Ten title game and so on and so forth. Ohio State right now is on the schedule to play seven games. With the way COVID is behaving in America, it's not unreasonable to think that there could be an outbreak among you know, the teams that they play. And again, this is not to be glib about COVID. It's a serious disease, and, you know, it's, it needs to be framed in the proper sense. But Ohio State's not at six yet. And if we've learned anything this year, it's that nothing is a given. So until they get to that number, that's not a guarantee for Ohio State, Northwestern, or anybody else in that conference. So I think that also needs to be mentioned here. Cincinnati is at seven. If things go the way that they should the rest of the way, Texas A&M is effectively blocked from going to the yeah. SEC title game by Alabama because they lost to Alabama um, pretty decisively, I should add, as well. And Florida could win out the rest of the way, but if they lose to Alabama, that alone gets Cincinnati to five if they win out. Now, if Notre Dame were to trip up, as you said, then whoever wins that ACC title game is in, period. Mm -hmm. And, you know, either way, Cincinnati probably jumps them. So it's not that crazy to imagine. But sometimes the hardest parts of these things are the first one that you said, which is winning all, all your games. games. And I will say this, Tulsa being in the top 25, I don't know if, if the committee is trying to help Cincinnati here. 
But that's another top 25 win. Same with UNC at 19. So, you know, you get those top 25 wins, even if it's low-end top 25, that can help. And we'll see what winds up happening. We'll see how helpful it can wind up being for Cincinnati. But you get Tulsa in there, that helps. And uh, the other wild card we were talking about before, what if they play BYU at another good win? And then you're like, maybe this team is one of the top four. So, Ryan, I think they have a very legitimate shot at this, but they got to take care of their own business first. And I think part of that is also going to be scheduling BYU next weekend. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be hard to do, obviously. You know, it's not ruled out 100%. Both teams want games. Both teams need to prove themselves. But we, as college football fans, we should be rooting for that actively. We should want to see that game. And it should be noted in the same way that Cincinnati's getting helped with Tulsa being in the top 25. You know, obviously Washington, BYU is off the table now. If that were to occur, Washington was left off. That was something that was going to hurt BYU. So as you said, it's very key that Tulsa just slipped in right into 25, huge for Cincinnati, because beating them twice, you know, even if they can't schedule a BYU, if they, could schedule, if, if they can't schedule anything, 10 wins, three wins would be against top 25 teams. That's a good resume. You know, that's a respectable resume. Cincinnati would do everything they could, but you can never look past step one, Jimmy. You just talked about it. I talked about it too, because in all these scenarios, how, how often is it that the things you need to control are the things you don't do? Very often. So win your game, Cincinnati. I really hope you do. We should be rooting for it because it would be awesome. And this year, with all the craziness, this, this is really the best shot, you said, to get one of these teams in. And it's going to be Cincinnati if it's anyone. So win your game, Cincinnati. Worry about everything else later. But they have a shot, and that's most important right now. The Bearcats want Bama. They've got to get their first some work to do on their end. Let's just take a quick step back to last weekend. We were talking about Ohio State before. They played a heck of a game with Indiana. And the Hoosiers, to my great surprise and pleasant surprise, I should say, took Ohio State to the wall. And just a tremendous performance by the Hoosiers. The Buckeyes get the victory. Ryan, my main takeaway, I don't know how you felt, but my biggest takeaway from that game, Ohio State's vulnerable, and Indiana, we were underrating coming into that game. They are legit, they're solid, and they should feel really good about the direction that program's taking under Tom Allen. Yeah, we have to put some respect in Indiana's name. Uh, going into the game, the spread was 20 and a half. Ohio State was favored. That's the fifth biggest ever for two top 10 teams. So Vegas was disrespecting Indiana. I've disrespected Indiana on this on this podcast when they played Penn State. I thought it was a fluke. But, no, they are 100% legit. Um, and as you said, though, Ohio State, there are some red flags there. You know, you let Penix throw for 500 yards and five touchdowns. That's not going to get it done against Trevor Lawrence. He's going to tear you apart. You have to shore up the secondary. Uh, they did a great job stopping the run, though. Um, you know, Indiana had 16 carries for minus one yards. So that's a big thing. But, you know, definitely, definitely have to put some respect on Indiana. They are up and coming in the Big Ten, where right now, you know, that's not the case with everyone, obviously Northwestern. But Penn State, they are on a downward trend. They have zero wins on the air. And Michigan, they're kind of a mixed bag. So, you know, this is a great year overall for Indiana, regardless of what happens the rest of the way. They should be really proud of how they hung in there versus Ohio State because 
This game had blowout written all over it. It was 35-7 to at one point, midway through the third quarter. And Indiana, through that passing game, was able to get back in the game, make Ohio State uncomfortable. You know, they had the ball with four minutes left with a chance to win the game. So anytime you can do that, you gave your team a great shot to win. Uh, Justin Fields also, it should be noted, played probably his worst game as a Buckeye. He had three picks. He had three all of last year. So overall, a really good game for Indiana. You know, there's no such thing as good losses, Jimmy. But this was a good loss as they get because you hung in with Ohio State when no one really gave you a shot. Yeah, we were talking last week, myself and Nick DeLuca on the show, that Indiana probably have to win the turnover margin by something like three or four. Well, they got Justin Fields to throw three picks. Uh, A lot of things went right for them in that game. And they followed that blueprint and almost messed around and won it. So you have to feel really happy for Indiana, their fans, Tom Allen doing a great job. And they took Ohio State to the wall. There's no two ways about that. They went into the horseshoe, granted no fans, but still went in there and gave Ohio State everything they could handle. The difference winds up being the pick six that Penix throws late in the third quarter. I think it was 42-21 at that point. Yeah. And that winds up being the difference in the game. But go figure. Hey, good for Indiana. Ohio State, I think, very gettable. And right now, they're at four. They would play Alabama. Uh, I don't think that matchup would go very well for them, just to be quite frank with you. What what we saw in that secondary, as you were alluding to, Ryan, they've they've got a lot of internal issues they have to iron out. Before we wrap up here, two things to get to. First of all, we found out today – that Nick Saban has tested positive for COVID-19. He will not coach the Iron Bowl. Looks like it's going to be Steve Sarkeesian in charge of that. Uh, We obviously hope Nick Saban is doing well and feels better and can get back on to the the sideline and make a full recovery in short order. The other thing I wanted to touch on quickly, Ryan, I don't know how closely you were following this uh, Florida State-Clemson spat. Right. But that was quite something. Clemson has a player – Test positive for COVID, travel with the team. Florida State said, uh, we don't feel comfortable with that. Clemson is basically accusing Florida State now of not wanting to smoke. Florida State is saying that Clemson's coaches are not doctors. They're right on that. Ryan, I'm curious your main takeaway from this. I found this just such a fascinating and really a uniquely 2020 conversation that was had prior to what we thought was going to be Clemson, Florida State. Yeah, Jimmy, if you were to just look up in the dictionary, football guy, Dabo Sweeney would be a synonym. He is the perfect example of a football guy. And when this game got uh, canceled, it set a fire under him. He was livid. He was dropping cheap shot after cheap shot. You know, he, he made a remark how they've had three head coaches in four years while he's been at Clemson forever. Um, he was pissed off. He was really upset. And as you said, it's so important this year. You know, they obviously, they've already played eight games, but when you have a game like that canceled in the manner it was, you know, he had every right to be upset. You know, they traveled, stuff like that. And he is right on what you said. You know, the coaches aren't doctors. And obviously with a great team Clemson has, he's going to look at it as saying, you're scared to play us. You're Florida State. You're terrible, Um, at least this year. And, um, yeah, so I thought that was really entertaining, seeing the back and forth especially how mad Dabo got. It was like, it was just a sight to see. And uh, yeah, it sucks we didn't get to see them play this weekend now. It does. I, I, I'm more inclined to take FSU sides here, FSU's right. side here, yeah. 
and granted, I know they were like a 40 point underdog entering this and they would have gotten hammered, but you know, you have a player travel with the team who has COVID. I mean, if I'm on the other side, yeah, I'm going to feel uncomfortable playing that game. So I think ultimately like they made the right decision there. Now, can I see how it can be interpreted as Florida state backing down? Yeah, absolutely. With the season they've had, but I think Dabo Sweeney is is more just frustrated. And I think it's the type of thing that if he takes more time to think about this, he might not necessarily feel that way. But still a fascinating look at college football in 2020 and the way different coaches look at this. And Mike Norvell, as you said, is the third Florida State head coach in the last four years. And hopefully they don't have four and six or something like that because that that program is in the gutter. Okay, yeah. like they might have been right on this one, but between the lines, they're horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, just absolutely ridiculous. So um, that is our show. Thank you to everyone listening, to Thomas Aiello, our producer. For Ryan Gregware, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Have a happy and a safe Thanksgiving. Hope you enjoy some football, some college football on Black Friday. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.